taking on the corporate Democrats. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. We are in the stretch run to the midterm elections, and there's some fascinating races around the country, particularly where progressive Democrats are trying to take a district that is already Democratic and make it more progressive. And there's no better example than in California's 29th congressional district. That is where Angela. Angelica Duenas is taking on incumbent Democrat Tony Cardenas. Cardenas very much of a corporate Democrat. Duenas is an activist, community organizer, wife and mother of five. And she has taken some time to join us today. Angelica, thanks for being with us. You're feeding your kids on food stamps as I understand. Yes, unfortunately right now since I am not working, we are on food stamps, you know, trying to like make ends meet, but you know, it's okay. We're we're doing the the really great strides in our campaign and these sacrifices we know are worth it. So my family is very much supportive of this fight. It's sacrifices that we think are necessary to make a community a better place. But yeah, proud proudly on food stamps at the moment. Well, and what you're doing is you're essentially relating in a way to a lot of people in your district in ways that most political Democrats, Democratic leaders cannot necessarily relate. What's been the response as you've as you've sort of put together this grassroots, very progressive campaign? It's been great, actually. Um, we've had 100% positive interactions when we when we go when we're going door to door. Uh, the conversations are great. In 2020, we were not able to knock on doors because of the pandemic. So this time around, in 2022, we're having these conversations, and people are hungry for change. We're seeing it across Los Angeles and San Fernando Valley is nothing different. Uh, people are wanting better representation, and a working class voice is what they're thriving for, and um, that's what we're giving them as an option. So people are so happy to have an option in November to replace corporate Democrat Tony Cardenas, who has represented our community for over 25 years, with a, a working class uh, Democrat and with, with our campaign. So it's been great. It's actually been very, very positive. And in California's 29th, you mentioned it's the San Fran, parts of the San Fernando Valley. It's apparently one of the most immigrant, more Spanish-speaking parts of of California. Um, tell us a little bit about the electorate that those of us who are outside of the district may not know. Yes, so we have about a 75% plus Latino population. We are working class. Um, there's a bit of you know some pockets that you know are are more middle class and upper middle class, but the majority of our district is working class. It's a very industrial. It's really where, where like all these essential workers live and come from to that keep our city alive. So the San Fernando Valley has been working and um, helping the city get get by for a very long time, and we have been sacrificed time and time again from lack of jobs, lack of resources to environmental racism that we were seeing with the LADWP power plant here in Sun Valley in my district that had a leak for over two years. And we were not ever made aware until another agency discovered it. So we are tired of our our sellout representation at all levels of government. And we're seeing that in, in, in these um Campaigns that are are challenging the challengers, or sorry, challenging the incumbents, and we're coming ahead. So um, it's an exciting time here in Los Angeles and in the San Fernando Valley. You mentioned that Cardenas is a perhaps a sellout. To give us a couple examples, <laughs> I mean, if somebody in your district says, "Look, it's a Democratic district. Why get rid of the incumbent? What are the biggest strikes in your view about Tony Cardenas?" 
Oh my goodness. Well, he's had over 26 years of of, of uh, ruling to be able to show us what he's gonna do and what he's not gonna do. And these 25 years, what do we have to show for as a community? Absolutely nothing. But what he has been able to do is give uh, contracts to his friends and family. Um, his wife has gotten the tune of a $500,000 or so for um, social media consulting. Um, as you uh, may be aware here in Los Angeles, we had uh, Nudy Martinez and other city council member, members cut on tape speaking racist, uh, 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 just horrific things and uh, uh, gerrymandering. Well, her husband, um, he has gotten about a half a million dollars too for political consulting. So what we've been seeing here in the San Fernando Valley is that people, um, are are being left out while each other of these representatives at different levels who are friends, their comrades, and they have been working together for a very long time have been enriching each other. So what we're seeing is that for the over 25 years of Latino and Democratic representation that we've been, you know, fighting for to get here in the San Fernando Valley has gotten us much of nothing for us as a community. So that people are tired, they, they don't want just a Democrat, they don't want just a Latino. They want a voice that's gonna fight for them. They want people who are, are clean of, of, of uh, dirty money. They want people who are ready to speak truth to power. And this is why we're seeing these insurgent uh, uh, campaigns be so successful here in the San Fernando Valley. Um, not just our, our own, but in the city, in the county politics. So. It's a very exciting time here in the San Fernando Valley. We've been left behind for far too long and the people are done with it. Basta ya is what we're saying out here. Well, you're not taking corporate money, so you're not beholden to all these corporations the way the Cardenas and other corporate Democrats are. But I would imagine that just in terms of the campaign that makes it more difficult in terms of raising money and competing on an equal level. Absolutely, you said it. Um, you know, in 2020, we got 43.3% of the vote with less than $80,000. Tony Cardenas spent $1,400,000 of his campaign money. On top of that, there was super PAC money and independent expenditures that went down. So we spent 85 cents a vote in 2020. The only reason why we didn't win was because not enough people knew we were running, because we were not able to knock on doors, because we didn't have all these fancy you know, resources. We used a CD of data, big old giant spreadsheet and Google Sheet. To, to do our, our campaign in 2020. In 2022, we have way more resources, way more um, uh, ability to knock on doors. Things are getting better. We just need to get the word out. It's an exciting time out here. And I'm so glad that we have the opportunity here to get the word out. Yeah, Angelica, if you are able to win this seat, uh, and you'll be sort of be very sort of a fresh face in, in Washington, um, what, what would your priorities be as a member of Congress representing California's 29th? Absolutely. What we plan is to have our office be a community empowerment center. We want to have, we want to be able to share space with our community. We want to empower our community. We want to teach them how to petition government, how to organize their own movements, how to run for office. We want to use our social media platforms also as a teaching tool to be able to to teach communities across the country. To uh, to petition government. What I want to use is my 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 time in, in in Congress, which I plan to be in there for three terms. And my six years in Congress, I want to empower my community and communities across the country, and I want to be able to get voices to the working class. That's my number one goal. Obviously, we're going to be pushing for progressive legislation. We're going to be supporting legislation that's already in the books, and and you know writing our own. 
But my number one priority is to empower my community and the working class. By empowerment, is that because of economic difficulties, educational difficulties that face the Latino community? Yes, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> we have been left behind for far too long. And what we're really missing is organizing tools. We have the voices, we have the needs, we know what we want. We know our, the solutions is just putting words to it, getting organized around it. And, and speaking truth to power. I think it's you know, organizing does not come easily for any and all of us. And I think that with a little bit of, of, of tools, um, we can really make it happen. And we've seen it time and time again, change does not happen from the, from the top down, it happens from the bottom up. So what we need to do is to ensure that the working class people have the ability and the means to get their voices heard, and that's what I'm here to do. You have a background as a community organizer. Um, how much of that experience sort of helps translate into a campaign and, and what you might do in office? Well, I think it's been very helpful. I'm talking to people and being able to talk uh, uh, issues and policies and solutions has been really helpful because we've been able to talk to not just Democrats, but independents, Republicans across the board. People are hungry for change and they wanna hear solutions and they wanna hear how it is that, that we're trying to solve these problems that we're all facing from homelessness to lack of healthcare, mental health services across the board. Um, the working class here in the East San Fernando Valley um, is a very mixed and diverse community um, from very conservative to very liberal to everything in between. Um, but the people here are very good hearted and they're looking for a real solutions to their problems. And that's what we're giving them. We're, we're listening to people, we're, we're taking people's ideas in. And as long as they match um, you know, our, our morals and ideals and our ethics, and things, I mean, communication is key. And so that's really what, what, what we're seeing, seeing here is having these conversations open. Don't cancel people, this cancel culture is just getting us nowhere. Um, what's the point then of having these conversations? And it's been a great experience, honestly, like have conversations people, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Nationally, the political headwinds seem to be a little bit against Democrats. Is there a real possibility that if you, you know, if you were to win your win this race, you still might end up serving in a Republican majority House? Uh, have you thought about that at all, and how that might change what your priorities and opportunities might be? Yeah, no, it's a scary thought, but you know what? We've had the majority of all this time, and time and time again, and you know, uh, right? Um, I think that what what I really plan on doing, like I said, is empowering uh, the the communities and the people. I think that. These these progressive you know issues from from working from uh, uh, universal health care, affordable housing, um, uh, uh, peaceful foreign policies, all these issues are they're not radical. This is something that actually the majority of our country agrees on, and I think that what we really need is to organize around these issues. And regardless if we have a majority Democrat or Republican, I plan on helping the people mobilize. So we're going to get it done, regardless if we have the majority or not. Angelica Duena, she is the progressive candidate in California's 29th congressional district. We're just days away from the midterm election. She's taking on the corporate Democrat incumbent, Tony Cardenas. This is how you can help Angelica if you wanna to go to her website, you wanna donate or volunteer. Angelica, it's been a great campaign so far and good luck to you in this election. Thank you so much, thank you for having me here. You're welcome. 
Welcome back to the conversation. There is a lot of misinformation flying around ahead of the 2022 midterm elections, and a lot of it seems to be directed at Latino communities. But there's an intriguing effort to try to push back, and that is being led by an organization called United We Dream. And here to talk about the effort is Jose Munoz. He's the deputy communications director for this organization. Jose, thanks for being with us. First of all, what kind of a misinformation is the Latino community particularly vulnerable to this time around? Yeah, so look, we're seeing a lot of um, dis and misinformation that's targeting our communities, both in English and in Spanish, on a variety of different platforms. Um, you know, we have, it's not new, unfortunately. We've seen dis and misinformation um, targeting not just our community, but all communities as it pertains to the COVID 19 pandemic, um, whether it's about the vaccine or the virus itself. Uh, as we're seeing the lead up to the midterms, a lot of what we're seeing as well is folks really trying to uh, use some really divisive rhetoric. Talking about immigrants coming to the border, uh, you know, a lot of misinformation, particularly around the the economy and inflation, um, and you know, other topics like uh, the top, like LGBTQ issues and, and other sort of social issues as well. It seems like there's perhaps a lot of stuff that's going on in Spanish that would never be tolerated or picked up by the national media in English. Do I have that right? So one of the reasons why our efforts are so important, particularly on platforms like WhatsApp, is because oftentimes platforms where some of these dis and misinformation thrives, it's just not being caught in Spanish. Mm. The reality is that the platforms just don't spend enough time or resources to be able to push back on this type of dis and misinformation. I'll give you a really good example of this. YouTube right now, their Media Matters, one of our great partners, put out a report a couple of weeks ago that showed that there was a significant amount of videos about election related disinformation from the 2020 election. So a lot of claims about fraud that would not be allowed to be on the platform in English. They are very clear violations. Um, they're using very specific examples of lies that have been peddled uh, to really hurt our democracy. And these are videos that have been allowed to stay on and, and uh, be pushed to a lot of folks in Spanish on YouTube. And again, these are, are videos that would have otherwise been flagged or taken down in English. So what's the process? I imagine they're web watchers. You mentioned that you're looking at the WhatsApp. How does this how does this work in trying to stop this stuff? Yeah, so look, here's the thing. Latinos spend a lot of time on platforms like WhatsApp. We are the racial network group in the country that uses the platform more than anyone else. I think it's about over half of Latinos are spending time on WhatsApp. And the way that it often works is you're getting information um, through friends and family, trusted networks. And so when you're getting dis and misinformation, whether it's about the election, uh, whether it is about the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, or whether it's just mis or disinformation about the economy, uh, you're more likely to believe it. And so for us here at United We Dream Action, uh, we have an initiative known as Reclaim the Web, where we really try to turn that on its head. And we use the power of our members as volunteers uh, to push out content that's created by young people, culturally relevant content in English and in Spanish on a variety of topics that folks are then able to actually take and permeate throughout their WhatsApp group chats and through other channels to really be able to use the same idea that as you're receiving information from a trusted source that might be wrong, we really want to make sure that we're inoculating folks with information that is accurate to make sure that they're really able to make really good informed decisions, particularly as it pertains to leading up to the midterms.
We've seen, particularly from the Republican side, a certain sort of rhetoric, an anti-immigrant rhetoric, which it seems to be even more putrid than ever and more intense than ever. Um, how does that translate? Does it mean that there's more of these videos, more of this sort of horrible rhetoric that's out there targeting Latinos? And, and what, 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 what kind of challenge does that pose? Yeah, look, the reality is that Republicans across the country have really gone all in on this really dangerous anti-immigrant rhetoric. And really, the fact is they're using it to scare voters. They're using dangerous rhetoric, calling immigrants and people of color invaders and other things like that. They're running political advertisements. They're spending a lot of money this cycle to run advertisements that use this dangerous rhetoric. This is the same rhetoric that inspired the shooter in Buffalo, New York earlier this year that went to a grocery store. It inspired the shooting in 2019 in El Paso. And so this is the type of rhetoric that Republicans have been leaning into. And the reality is that for myself as an immigrant, I know how dangerous this kind of rhetoric can be, not just for immigrants, but for people of color as a whole. And so it's really important for us to recognize that we have to call this type of rhetoric out. Look, the reality is that we need politicians that are putting forward ideas and plans that actually help us instead of trying to divide and to scare and use fear tactics to try to win votes. And so that's one of the things that's really, I think, been really harmful as that we've been seeing is that this rhetoric has continued and it's being used. You know, A lot of money is being spent to run these types of ads in hopes to get them elected. These are happening all across the country in high profile Senate seats like Nevada and Arizona, but it's also happening in House seats all across the country as well. It's coming from the top of the Republican leadership as well, which is really unfortunate to see. Yeah, and even some of the top conservative Republican sort of platforms. And I think of a Tucker Carlson and the absolute crap he continues to spew out about the great replacement theory. In terms yeah. of battling it, is it more effective to battle whether the Tucker Carlson's or sort of the national Republicans at that national level, or is it a more effective campaign to try to target this at a state and local levels? I think one of the things that's important, especially as we're going into the midterms, is calling out the strategy. Look, the reality is that the reason why Republicans are using this rhetoric is because they think it's going to work. They actually don't really have answers or solutions to many of the problems that we face. No Republican voted for the Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed. Um, in Congress earlier this year and signed by President Biden. And so they don't really have any real solutions. They wanna scare voters. And so I think it's really important to make sure that we are invoking strategies that are talking to real life people, real everyday people who might be seeing these types of ads and this rhetoric uh, to, to let them know what they're seeing um, and to present a positive vision, um, present a vision that is welcoming to people um, and present a vision that you know, points out the best of what we can be. Are Democrats paying enough attention to Latino voters? And the reason I say that is because there's a number of polls that suggest a larger percentage of Latinos now are moving towards Republicans. Not a majority, but just the percentage that are supporting Republicans seems to be increasing. Look, I think one of the things that's really important as we're talking about Latino voters is to recognize, and I think that there was a lot of this after 2020, is that this is an electorate that is not a monolith and you don't just need to get them to turn out, but you actually need to persuade them to vote for you. And so I think part of the conversation that we need to be having is recognizing how are we having really authentic ways to communicate with these folks, doing it in language, you know, having really authentic content in Spanish for folks who are Spanish dominant or even bilingual. There's a lot of really great research that has showed that even for folks who are bilingual, when they're seeing more Spanish 
content from campaigns and from folks who are asking for their vote, that's really impactful. That's why the work that we're doing at United We Dream Action is really important in terms of providing people with content that is culturally relevant, that really speaks to them and that inspires them to actually go out and vote. And given the level of mistrust that a lot of communities may have already, does it? I sort of wonder what sort of impact that has on United We Dream. Does it make it that much more difficult for your organization, which is simply trying to correct the record and give people accurate information? Look, I think the 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 fight against disinformation is really about. Uh, providing people with with accurate information. There is so much uh, that is happening on that the right is trying to push. You mentioned Fox News earlier. They have such a, me- a mega platform, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes the media doesn't do a great uh, job of calling out some of the the really racist and dangerous rhetoric that is being spewed. Uh, and so that's why for us, it's really important to make sure that the content that we're putting out um, isn't just responding. Uh, to some of the the hate and the divisive rhetoric that's being used, but presenting a positive messaging uh, that really shows the best of what we can all do together. For people who want to help, who want to call out the misinformation, or want to help United We Dream, or simply want to make sure that the the information that is going into a particular congressional race or state race uh, is clean, what can they do? They can um, find us online, unitedweddreamaction.org. They can also text um, disinfo to 877-877, particularly to get plugged in to making sure that uh, they're protecting their communities against dis and misinformation. In other words, if somebody sees flyers that are out there, or somebody here gets robocalls or is told, oh my God, the IRS is gonna be waiting for you if you show up and vote, there's a number people can call now. There's a place they can take that information and say, hey, I live in, wherever they live and direct that information to you to make sure that your organization is on top of this. So one thing I would say to some of that like really specific examples, it's really important to make sure that folks are double checking where information they're getting. One of the worst things that we could do is inadvertently share information that's wrong with other folks. So I'm flagging that type of information if they're seeing it online is really, really important. And then making sure that they're not sharing it to wider networks either. I'll say there seems to be a certain sort of a pessimism that has taken over a lot of Democrats as we get closer to the midterms. The polls seem to be swinging back towards perhaps some momentum for Republicans. Republicans are running on the economy, they're running on anti-immigration, they're running on crime. And that seems to be resonating at least with certain areas of the country. Do you share that pessimism and what's the reason to be more optimistic? I think one of the reasons to really be optimistic is because there's so much on the line for us. You know, this election really is about protecting our freedoms. It's really um, about recognizing the work that we that so many of us did in 2020. Um, to and it's about expanding those victories that we did uh, that we had in 2020. And so I think for me, that's why I really do this work. And for us at United We Dream Action, that's why it's really important for us to continue to be reaching out to our communities in ways that are culturally relevant, that feel authentic, and that feel inspiring. And to be fair, United We Dream continues past the midterms, right? 100%. As we think about what's next for us, it's really about recognizing that you know we still have um, the opportunity this year to try to pass some sort of protection for uh, DACA recipients and for undocumented folks to be able to gain pathways to citizenship. And so as we look beyond the midterms over the last couple of weeks before the end of the year, that'll be one of our big pushes. Jose Munoz, he's the Deputy Communications Director for United We Dream. And uh, Jose, good luck to you and your organization, not just for this midterm election, but also in the months ahead. Thanks so much. 
You got it, and thanks for being on. And that'll do it for this edition of The Conversation. On behalf of Asher Cofield, Gina, Scan- Gina Kim, John Skipvalaco, Bart Kyle, and the rest of the team at the Young Turks, I'm David Schuster. Thanks for watching.